Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat, and uh, you're very welcome back. Huge response to both our Chloe's, and what we'll do is that we'll gather up all of those, and if we don't bring them to you uh, today on the programme, because we're kind of jam-packed, we will bring it to you tomorrow. Is that OK? 1800-938-007. For every problem, there's a solution. Dear Phil, on Tip Today with Phil Prendergast. And Phil is large as life in the studio with me. How are you, Phil? This is Phil? the old large there now, Oh, sorry. <laughs> you know I didn't mean Oh, Lord God. Do you hear that? Um, can, will you put your midwifery hat on you for a moment? Because we were speaking to Chloe earlier on. She was talking about the fact she went in. She needed an emergency C-section. Was in there for three days. Didn't feel that she got um, encouragement or the the proper encouragement to breastfeed and it was only her herself being absolutely certain that that's what she wanted to do and she had the strength of character to push it otherwise she would have accepted the bottle for the child. Um, Which is such a pity, Fran, really because... You've I, always advocated. Yeah, I, well, only because I believe that when your body makes the feed that's suitable for your child your body has made that supply for that baby. And it is a shame not to utilise something that's free at the right temperature, available on tap, if you will, and you can sit down and give all the time in the world to it if you if it's your first baby. And even with a second baby or subsequent babies, you are used to it and you know how to manage and you know how to, to tailor it. It is an awful pity that breastfeeding is still considered to be such um, an onerous task when it's completely natural. Now, just by saying it's completely natural um, doesn't mean it's completely easy because it's not. Because for those first few days when you're not used to a small thing attached to you and making you sore and trying to sit on stitches perhaps and going with all the gory details that's involved with childbirth generally, I'm not trying to make out that it's just such a breeze that you put the baby on and the baby will latch on, it'll suck beautifully, it'll fall off the baby will be fed and content and you'll be delighted with yourself admiring the baby because for most of the time you're thinking oh my god how do I know how much the baby is getting you can't weigh a boob and see how how light it is after the feed or what is it is the baby getting anything are they able to soak has a tongue tie what you know so they do need actual support and there are very good lactation consultants otherwise people that know what they're talking about as midwives and are very good but unfortunately there's very few staff available available now to give time to it and that's a huge problem isn't absolutely, it absolutely yeah. because i mean there i was speaking to a midwife during the week and she was telling me that there would be some days there would be only one midwife on the entire floor and care staff then supporting the the workload. So when you have that, and like midwifery is such, I suppose, so specialised, you can never be complacent with the whole situation. Mm. And I suppose the labour ward gets priority or the special care baby unit gets priority because they're they're needy in those particular departments. But if you send home a mum that hasn't gotten the support to be able to initiate breastfeeding... Um, and she feels unsupported and lacking in confidence, you're possibly going to lose the opportunity for her for her body to regain its pre-pregnancy state, size, tone, position and all that goes with that as well as giving your baby the very, very best food for it. But I do recognise 
there are people mm, that mm. the idea of breastfeeding is revolting to them and I accept that and there's no judgment. It simply is the right thing for the right people at the right time. Very interesting indeed. Well, as I say, a huge amount of support coming in from people, but some horror stories coming in about people who were not supported as well along yeah. along the way, while they would have liked to have breastfed. But, yeah. but, but there you go. All right, into our letters, Phil. <clears throat> and the first one, dear Phil, my youngest child is seven and very bright and aware of the world. He spends a lot of time online, even though we're very careful to limit that time as much as possible. But I think it might have given him a broader view of the world than our older children has had at his age. My concern with that, though, is that recently he's been asking about transgender and what it means. I explained it as well as I could and as appropriately as I could, and he seemed to to be happy with the explanation. The problem is that he came back to me a few days later and said that he wondered if maybe he wanted to be a girl instead of a boy. Now, I asked him why, and he said because he wanted to have a different experience and felt that life would be more exciting as a girl. I explained to him that life has its problems, whether you're a girl or a boy, and that he is at an age where things might be a bit confusing and to wait and see until he is older. He kind of shut down after that conversation and hasn't spoken about it since. I wonder, did I approach it correctly? I never got an inkling before that he was feeling that way. He was always a boyish boy. He liked trucks and the outdoors. He's anything pink and girly and wouldn't have much time for the girls in school. I just wonder if he has been exposed to something that confused him and uh, he wonders if he should be part of that scene or if he is genuinely confused about his gender identity. What should I do? Well, when I when I read it first, I, like I didn't have the attention span of a gnat when I was seven years of age, no mind to say access to any of this because, as you know, it's much more recent than us. And um, when I read it first, I just thought, what is a child of seven having access to a, a computer that's able to look at these range of things? But in the first sentence, she just said that he's very, very bright and he sounds it. And I would think that she needs to completely take this at face value. It's a word he's heard. It is topical at the moment. There's a lot going on about it. And there's, of course, we we have much more exposure to um, hearing a lot of discussions about transgender and people and the problems they're having, even accessing care and all that goes with it. There's a huge amount um, with with people that feel that they're in the wrong body or body dysmorphia or any sort of things, issues like that, that involves a lot of psychological assessments and there's a huge range that has to be to, to get to the point where there's actual surgery involved or needing to change things for to, to, to identify with the, the gender that you feel you are. So I just think that this little child is quite bright he saw something, heard something, and he's just simply wondering what it might be like. So he's really thinking beyond the, as I said, the attention span that I would have had at that yeah. age. I wouldn't yeah. be able to think of the words like three minutes later, or probably three seconds later. But it's it's just, I do feel that she handled it absolutely right. She told him in as, as clear as she could what it meant. And um, he hasn't spoken about it since. I don't think that's a shutdown of a conversation. I, I think it was passing fancy. He asked about it. She told him about it. He might mull over it for a while. He might not. But I, I think I think it's, um, you know, that he's, she hasn't got anything to worry mm. about. And even if it was that he was identifying right now, because they say it happens very early for some 
they'd say, no, I mean the wrong body, I just know I am, um, that it's support they would need. But this just seems to be a natural inquisitiveness. She does, as I said, state that he's bright. And um, he asked a question and like we, I wouldn't have expected a seven-year-old to even know what transgender is, but they do because it's in their face. So um, I think she's nothing to worry about here. Um, I don't think she should worry about anything. Do you think this is a common uh, experience that, you know, because of the exposure so young, that parents have to come up with the explanations and have to be able to point them in the right direction? You see, I mean, at seven years of age, you wouldn't be talking about any direction whatsoever. You'd be you'd be having a conversation to questions you're asked to keep them simple. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And there's no need to go into too much detail about what might happen and, you know, <laughs> what, yeah. what bits need to be chopped off or added on or any of the rest of it or reconstruction. There, You can keep things relatively simple at that age. And, you know, it's if, if a child continuously and continuously comes back to it or feeling wrong, then they should have an assessment by a psychologist to see if there's something more going on or if they can be supported further. But I don't think that this child, um, you know, she, she does say he spends a lot of time online, even mm-hmm. though we're very careful to limit the time. But a lot of time and limiting time doesn't seem to reflect that Right. It's a short time. He's been, and and do you think he might be going down a rabbit hole with this and chasing it up online and reading stuff? He, and, he has heard it yeah. somewhere. Right. He has heard conversations. He's probably reading about it. Um, I would have wondered about the ability of a seven-year-old to actually comprehend what the whole range of things is. But it could have been a simple question because he's heard the word transgender. What does that mean? And it could be just a natural curiosity. I wouldn't... Overthink, and I, I gave quite a lot of thought to this question because mm. I thought initially, I was like, oh, what's she doing letting him have an access online, unfettered? Like, this is not okay. And then I just realised, like, do you know what? This child is right. He probably has an interest, but I would like to be the moderator on what is being watched. And yes. keep it simple after that. Don't give too many explanations. There's no need to go into the chicken and the egg, the other egg and who lay, all that crack. Um, I'm just thinking how simple our childhoods Oh, they, you see, they, they, were, they were very simple. But then again, we, we were very, um, I don't know, we were very gullible, really, because Naive. we'd go off in the morning and my day would start sitting on the step and, and with, the, with my fingertip taking the cream off the can of milk that was on the doorstep <laughs> and then take off for the day and you'd only come back then for, for lunch and it would be a sandwich and you'd be off and it could be a jam sandwich and you'd be headed off again, a glass of milk or a cup of milk and you'd be gone again. And you come in then for your tea. And if you weren't in then, by the time it got dark, you really were in trouble when you got in. <laughs> Simple times. Oh, yeah, they um, were. Definitely. All right, our second letter, dear Phil. I live next door to a lady who has a child similar age to mine. We would be friendly, but not exactly best friends. But we have fallen into a habit now uh, that is making me cross and resentful. Our kids would play together from time to time and at the end of the summer, myself and the mum in question got chatting at the door where we were talking about the upcoming school year. We both drive our kids to school, which is a 40-minute round trip, says he, pulling the paper apart. Uh, She was complaining about the hassle of being back on the school run and I said in passing that if she was stuck any morning that her lad 
could come with us, just be at the car for 8.15 and she didn't have to ask. Well, I'm sorry I opened my mouth. Since the first day, her child has been at my car every morning at uh, quarter past eight waiting for a lift. I don't mind so much, but I am a bit resentful. She has never said thanks or never offered to, to do another morning in exchange and I'm feeling a bit used and pissed off as a result. Should I approach her about it or should I just suck it up and go ahead? She most certainly should approach her about sure. it. And in fact, the whole approach should be from next week onwards, you'll do one week and I'll do the next week. This um, driving to school and uh, accepting all the costs of that 40 minutes is quite a distance. So yeah. it's an 80 minute journey, you know. So, I mean, I absolutely think. Cheek, it's, it's, maybe it's just that she is not thinking. But now because this lady is feeling aggrieved, and rightly so, if the woman has never even said, gosh, thanks really for, for bringing him, it's, it's taken me out of such a hold or whatever. But it appears the two of them are available to drive. So she needs to say to her, listen, do you mind now rotating the um, the driving? Um, and I'll do, and either decide I'll do it for a week and you do the next week or do it for a month and you do the next month or you start doing doing it for the month and um, whatever, because it's quite a responsibility. Mm. And um, she needs to sort this out. There's no point in getting resentful and feeling angry and there's no point in, in because I mean, I'm sure the child will sense that the woman is not exactly happy. But I don't know how, how the woman whose child is being lifted to school thinks that it's OK, that it should all be one-way traffic and it shouldn't involve her and her offering to do it every second week. So? So she needs to go and talk to her and say, listen, um, either you're going to share this job and be fair about it, but, like, it's very unfair that I'm bringing your child to school every day right, and now, uh, you're not doing it. The devil's advocate in me would have to say, she did offer. She did offer to take the child. I know she did. Yeah. But, like, there should be a counter-offer saying, well, you know, right. if you're doing it every week, I will do it every second week, every other week, so as you get a break. Hmm. Because that's, that's, that's also fair. fair. That's fair. And I, th- I think as well that when something <clears throat> like this happens and a, resentful, a re- resentfulness starts as a niggle, it's going to get worse and it's going to get to the point where she might just say, some more, well, listen, we're actually not going to be able to fit you in this morning. I have to bring some extra equipment or something. And mm. that's the wrong way of doing that. She just needs to go and say to her, listen, you know, your young fella's been coming to school with us now for the next, the last few months or the last year or whatever. Um, what do you think about actually sharing the, the driving? Um, would you do it next week? And then we can do it every second week. How, how does that sit with you? Yeah. And, uh, and take it from there. Right, but you you have to stand up. And deal you do. With it, I mean, there's a, yeah. there's also responsibility because um, I don't know the ins and outs of taking someone to school and what the insurance situation is. Yeah, but I mean, no. you have to mention insurance nearly always with everything now, Fran, mm. because we're gone so. I don't know, but anyway, litigious. You have to be. You have to be careful. Have but do. I do think it's very unfair that she would never even have has said thank you or dropped her off a bottle of wine or cake yeah, or whatever a, it is. It's a bit cheeky, all right. Bold, yeah. Um, a final one. Dear Phil, I'm in my 70s and recently revised my will after a bout of cancer. I'm fine now, thankfully, but it has made me rethink my life. 
I've always worked hard and built up a nice financial nest egg as a result. I have three children and had put away a sizable bit of money for all of them in my will. I wouldn't live a lavish lifestyle and have always been frugal and careful with my money and felt that savings were the most important thing. My cancer diagnosis and recovery has changed my thinking a bit now. I've decided that I want to travel the world, but in order to do that, I would need to cash in those savings that are set aside for my children. They've always known that the money is there, but have never really spoken about it. I feel bad about doing it to them, but I think now that life is for living, and what's the point in working hard all my life if I can't enjoy the fruits of my labour? My question is two-part. One, is it selfish of me? And two, should I let my kids know now or let them find out when I'm gone? I would appreciate your advice on this. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, and I would say straight off to her question, is it selfish or no, it's not. But I I would be inclined to let her kids know that they might not have as much left over. Now, this woman is in her 70s and that by, by certainly I'm not being ageist when I say this. She might find that perhaps five or six weeks out in Thailand or Australia or somewhere like that might be quite sufficient for her and won't involve using up all of what she was hoping to leave to her three children. Yes. So what I feel that she should do is she should have a discussion with the family. She should see or talk about where she's going to go and have access to the money she's going to need for that, for whatever country she's going to and do all the work that needs to be done and the vaccinations. I mean, if you're going to Australia, that you obviously have to have a series of vaccinations um, and stuff like that. And she should have a chat. I don't think to leave them with the expectation that there's going to be a sum of money for each of them and find out that the mother has frittered it all away is, is going to be a good thing to be leaving as a memory. Mm, yes. That she's, yeah. she'd be much better off than saying, look, I'm after getting such a fright because I got a bout of cancer and I really feel I want to live. She might find that it could be as much as, I mean, there's nothing as rejuvenating as a week in Lanzarote. Well, depends on how much damage you do to your liver. But, like, it could be that she might find short journeys to be a more... It it might be a nicer thing for her to think of doing rather than going off on a big world cruise or something and deciding that she's on a ship and she can't get off (laughs) and she's nothing left for the children. I'm sure if I die, bury me. She's nothing left for her own rainy day either. Exactly. So look, I think she should sit down and have a chat. And I also think that it probably is a reaction to having a life event that challenged her health Mm. and her longevity. And I also think she needs to think about what effect having had that cancer and the treatment and coming through that would have had on her general health. And would she be up for going away for long journeys to exotic places? I think there's a little bit of discussion to be had, but I appreciate the question. And I do think that um, it is not selfish of her to want to go and celebrate being alive. That's a certainty. Right. But leaving her kids to find out yeah. if something happened. I don't, I'm not sure that that's the right thing to but, do. But I'd like to put it out there, particularly if there's people listening at home, uh, that you're under no obligation to leave a pile of money to anybody. No, you're not, you but know, you see well, she... I mean, once you educate kids and you put them out in the world and you do your best for them... Yeah, and you're you know. absolutely right there. Now, you, what you don't want to do is leave your kids to look after all the burial and everything that you've not arranged. Yeah, sure. So yeah. you'd like to think that there are, there are some there are some conversations in everyone's life that is uncomfortable. 
right. where you want somebody's wishes and you don't exactly want to be asking it as you're putting down the bowl of food in front of me and thinking, Jesus, is she after poisoning this? <laughs> where would you like to be buried? You know, I mean, it's not exactly, it's a conversation I think that does have to be had. But yes. I don't, and I think as well, if, if the, the three adults, which they are, are aware that they're going to be left a sum of money, I think she should manage that expectation that perhaps there mightn't be as much there as she had intended and anything that she will give them will be fine but I do think she needs to make arrangements about herself and I think she needs to think it through and perhaps she should try a few short journeys um, you know and go away for a week two weeks go to somewhere lovely and hot when it's cold and miserable and come back and see how she feels because her energy levels might not be the same as well as going off on a cruise it's quite mm. there can be quite a lot to do you know Absolutely, and she might even be homesick. You never know. Like, so well, there would so. be that. You see, I think when people have a life event and a life-changing event, Fran, it does make a level of thinking become more in depth, and they start to to think about you know what's your mark going to be on the world. And I would rather that she'd sit down and have a chat with the family and just saying this was such a big fright for me to get and such a big and I really would like to do this her family are not going to mind about that mm. and I mean most families are, are kind of in the whole mode of well you know what you need to make arrangements for whatever eventuality is going to hit you in your life and we don't often get the, the opportunity to to say discuss it it's just you know, most people have house insurance, for instance, and most people would have mortgage insurance. And, you know, it's a prerequisite so that at least there's going to be something in place should somebody suddenly pass away. But like where she knows she's come through a life changing diagnosis and has come out the other side, I think the least she might do is kind of draw breath and think exactly what does she want think about the sum of money she has and think does she need I don't know what figure is on this but like whatever figure it is if the expectation of her children is that she's going she's leaving them this she already has that money there and put aside so she still must have money outside of that but also they can't have the expectation that things won't change and maybe something has to change. So they do need to sit down and have a chat. Well, great advice as always, Phil. And by the way, we often put up uh, Phil's um, correspondence on uh, social media and you can have your say on that. So we always enjoy uh, reading down through that as well. Great to see you, Phil. Thanks very much indeed. We'll take a break. Back in a moment. The Imro Radio Award-winning tip today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all-new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel or fully electric. Slattery'sGarage.ie 